Hello and welcome. You're listening to the July edition of the Buena Vista Film Club. Woo! There's only three of us, but we sound like a room full of people. <laughs> As always, we're going to go through the upcoming releases on Amazon and Netflix, so uh, you don't have to waste your time watching uh, crap. Um, also this month, we have our usual world cinema, uh, but except we're going to make this uh, EU-themed, because this has been recorded on the same day as the Brexit vote. Uh, in addition as well, um, with Game of Thrones setting new standards in television, we're going to have a look at what really is taking the lead these days. Is TV more epic than movies? And finally, we're going to have a look at um, films from the 90s that everyone forgot about but us. Very well. And we'll start with Netflix and Amazon, I think. Netflix and Amazon. Looking at the new releases coming out uh, in July. So I've been um, spending a lot of time on Amazon recently because for the first time ever, I think Amazon's got a better better sort of category list than, than Netflix. It might be because I've watched everything on Netflix, but Amazon's kind of beginning to close them down. And I think this uh, upcoming month's um, releases kind of kind of agree with me well that's good because i've actually stopped my subscription so please make me renew it i can give you my password if you want (laughs) that works too Mm. (laughs) which one have you cancelled amazon amazon no because that means you can then buy anything you want as well using my card details well i'm even more interested then yeah i've walked amazon prime great next day delivery that is great i love amazon prime Anyway, you were you were saying. <laughs> I was saying. Well, because I, I, I'm only on Netflix at the moment, so I'll, I'll start with that probably. Um, and I can't promise that the ones I'm going to talk about aren't going to be crap because I haven't seen them yet because they are new releases um, purely on Netflix, which is, I think, one of the great things about Netflix, that film's premiere on it. Um, so the first one um, that I picked out that I thought could be quite good was called Indie Game Life After, which, of course, is the sequel to Indie Game the Movie. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's basically... Never heard of it. Never heard of that. It's a documentary about some indie game developers and their kind of process of programming these games and putting them out on platforms mm. on the PlayStation Network or the Xbox platform. That's probably quite good, and actually. Doing it. it's, it's really good. And so the first one was basically focusing on a game called Fez, which is great, actually. It's about a little man who is kind of stuck in a 2D world, kind of the classic 90s-style video games. Oh, yeah. And he gets this fedora hat on him one day, and all of a sudden, his world turns 3D. So you can turn the whole screen around and kind of complete these mazes. Awesome. Spinning, oh, wow. spinning it around, it's awesome. It's really good. Um, and there's another game called Super Meat Boy, which was, again, kind of harking back to that those classic 90s, like um, Donkey Kong-style games. Um, so this sequel is going to pick up where that one left off and I guess give an update on what's happened to these developers and where their games are now. When was the first one released? Like how many years ago? Um, I think it was probably 2012, 2013. Okay. I'm not sure actually. Not I, need to, I need to double check. I will give that a try. So is the, is the first one on Netflix as well? It, well, I saw it on Netflix, but oh. that was a while back now, so hopefully it's still on there. Oh, yeah. So maybe that could be a good documentary geeky double bill. Mm. Yeah, no, I'll have to check it out then. Cool, I'm going to bounce over to Amazon, and uh, Amazon have decided to release the entire Star Trek film back catalogue. So I think there's currently seven, eight, nine, maybe there's maybe ten of them actually. Yeah, I think there's ten. Uh, but they've just released the ones with the original cast, so William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, etc., etc. And um, Star Trek is well known for following a certain pattern in that the even-numbered ones are good. So much like with the Fast and Furious, where the odd ones are the best ones, the even ones here are better. So we're talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. 
yep. which is the best one. And genuinely, to people who don't even like Star Trek, this is a very good film. And Star Trek Four, otherwise known as the one with the whales. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was that was that one of the best ones as well? Was that a good one? It was in my childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, they're available this month. So I haven't seen a single one of those. I've never been a Trekkie. Well, you've been too busy having a life. <laughs> yeah. I I remember watching Wrath of Khan when I was little, and I remember that bit when the ear that the, the, they put an insect in, inside a guy's ear, and it kind of messed me up for a few months. Which. The Matrix then went on to copy by putting that same thing in his belly button. Yeah, in the belly, yeah, yeah, that was pretty sick as well. So yeah, it's real. <laughs> yeah, the thing is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'm gonna not talk about a film that's released recently on Netflix, but one that's been on there for quite a while, and it's Adam Sandler films. He's done a deal with Netflix to release four of his next films, and two of them are already on there. And they're shit. And um, I had the mispleasure of watching um, the do-over which I heard was better than this first one called The Ridiculous Six um, which is kind of like saying a gunshot wound is better than a knife wound because they were both <laughs> equally bad How was that one different to the um, the Seth MacFarlane one? It wasn't like it, 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 it oh, was a million ways to die the way that was terrible films, yeah. Right? Yeah, but, um, yeah but the do-over which is it's an action comedy so I thought maybe maybe Adam Sandler's kind of redeemed himself a little bit but um, the, the funniest bit in the whole film is when he fires a flare gun at a naked girl on a boat and it, it was so unexpected that I just burst out laughing but uh, other than that you're just like pulling at the yeah, threads trying to it was there's, there's an actual a scene where Louise Guz- Guzman's sweat drips onto David Spade during a sex scene. It's horrible. It's, I can see why your puzzled looks. <laughs> it, it has to be seen to be believed, but yeah, it's. I mean, uh, I, I wasn't going to watch this film anyway. But yeah, now but this is I've, cemented. No, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, like you know, like Adam Sandler, like when I when I was growing up, like Waterboy, Wedding Singer. You know, those are great Nothing films. else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Happy Gilmore as well. And is Happy Gilmore that good? It is funny. I watch it. And it's it a bit is... like Caddyshack. It's People funny. going, this is one of the greatest comedies of all time. And if you re-watch it, and I know those things are based on them, but it's not that no, I, I I still think Happy Gilmore is probably one of his best films. It's amazing. So yeah, that's um that's my avoid on Netflix. Any Adam Sandler film. Just avoid Fair it. Fair enough. Have you got one? Is another one? Yeah, so there's another one coming out at the end of July, um, which, again, is another film that I believe is premiering on Netflix after its Sundance premiere. Uh, it's called Tallulah. OK. It's directed by one of the writer-producers on Orange is the New Black and brings Ellen Page and Alison Janney back together after they starred together in Juno. Oh, OK. So it's got nothing to do with Juno, but still, it looks like it's set to be another little indie gem. Um, okay. So it could be one to look out for when it is out. Unfortunately, I don't really know what it's about, to be honest, um, other than the fact that it kind of centres around the theme of uh, motherhood and parenting, and it's also kind of a coming-of-age story as well. I can't really give you an exact synopsis, but, you know, sometimes it's nice to go into these films a bit blind. On the Amazon tip again, I've gone pure Amazon this month, and even though they've got upcoming releases such as Beer for My Horses and Broadway Danny Rose, um, I decided to go Harrison Ford because they put out two Jack Ryan films, Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. Lovely stuff. And I guess I'm still on the uh, the Force Awakens nostalgia trip, (laughs) and any excuse to see a bit of classic Harrison Ford is always welcome. And that's mine. 
Awesome. So this is the part where I'd normally do a little roundup of uh, world cinema, uh, kind of the highlights coming out this month in the world of foreign language film. But what with all the talk of the European Union at the moment, I just thought I'd do a top pick uh, of European cinema coming out this month. So I have chosen a film called Chevalier. Now, it's a Greek comedy directed by Athena Rachel Tsangari, uh, and it's basically about these six men who are on a fishing trip together, these six acquaintances, um, and they decide to play a game to determine who among them is the best at everything. <laughs> so they set each other these challenges that get weirder and more absurd as the game goes on. Like, there's one, there's an Ikea flat pack challenge, which I thought oh, you might be quite good at now, actually, considering your... I will definitely have to <laughs> watch this film now. <laughs> um, and, like, who can hold their breath the longest, these really sort of silly challenges. And, basically, whoever ends up with the most points at the end is awarded the title of Best in General, um, or the Chevalier. So, as you can imagine... Yeah, so friends become enemies as the competition rises, you know, egos clash and testosterone is thrown all over the place. Hunger Games style. <laughs> kind of style, but more funny, more sort of deadpan, um, sort of deadpan comedy. See, it actually sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, it's been getting great reviews as well and has been winning over audiences pretty much everywhere it's played. Um, it won Best Film at the London Film Festival last year and pretty much seems to be in every top 10 list uh, whenever it plays a new festival. So it's definitely one to watch, especially if you into that sort of deadpan mm. comedy style. So it's out in the UK on July 22nd. I guess it'll get quite a small theatrical release, but it does sound like quite a fun, weird, absurd Greek cinema. Mm. Um, so there we go. Sounds fun, actually. That, that sounds really remain, good. and they'll, they'll give us more of these great films. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of um, a French film called Love Me If You Dare. With It was made, I think, early 2000 with um, Mar- Marion Cotillard. Okay. Yeah. And it's about these two childhood friends who dare each other to do like really like absurd dares on each other, but they grow up like fall in love. But it's like they continue the game, and it gets like darker and darker. But uh, yeah, it's a really good film. That sounds very, good. It's very offbeat um, um, comedy, dark humor. Yeah, well, it reminded me actually of a film called Cheap Thrills, which I saw at Fright Fest a couple of years ago, which is a, a British film. Yeah, and it's sort of the same thing. It's two guys who are in a bar. Um, and I think someone, no, a couple are in a band. These, these guys come up to them and start daring them to do little things and they'll give them money for it. So, you know, oh, down that beer, I'll give you a fiver or whatever, whatever it is. Mm. And it keeps going all night and it gets darker and darker and more twisted. The money yeah. gets higher and, you know, it kind of becomes this massive game of, um, you know, I dare you <laughs> oh, yeah. to do this and I'll give you a million pounds, whatever it ends up. But it was really good. And again, that's also kind of black comedy. Um but yes, that's the same same kind of premise. Has there ever been like a horror film about truth or dare? I'm sure there has been. I kind of feel it would be called Truth or Dare. As there well. must be. Yeah. I'm almost certain there is. Yeah, I'm sure there's a film very similar to that. So we've got Chevalier, uh, we've got Cheap Thrills, and Love Me If You Dare. Dare. How do you say Love Me If You Dare in French? Uh, it would be Moi Si Tu Ouse. Film title translations are never what you think they'd be anyway. Yeah. Especially considering The Hangover in France is called Very Bad Trip. Very Bad Trip. There's, yeah, there's some really <laughs> like, like Indonesian like, translation of films, which I can't think of right now. But Yeah, yeah there's, there's, um, there's some sort of BuzzFeed article or something like that, yeah, yeah. which goes through yeah the literal translations of other countries turning mm. films you know. It's like Die Hard is called something something outrageous how they are oh, yeah. the crystal trap is <laughs> yeah. it called the crystal trap Piège amazing cristal, doesn't that instantly ruin that film yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> makes it sound like something out of like Richard O'Brien turning up. Because Die Hard is like the most, that's the strongest name for a film yeah, ever. Yeah. Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. The Crystal Trap. So we currently have a bit of a, I guess this decade is could be partially known for 90s nostalgia. Uh, both in fashion and in music and to a certain degree cinema but one thing it has done is it's inspired us sort of 90s kids um, to go back and have a look at some of the films that kind of inspired us or kind of got us into the into cinema in general and I had this conversation the other day about where films in the 90s are a lot better than they are today and it's all based on the you know, ob- objective perspective but I think there are a few great films that don't see the light of day in this Netflix Amazon world and are just getting lost. Where once you might find them on a kind of a shelf in a, in a blockbuster video, these days, unless they're immediately available in one of like the two streaming services you use, you'll never see them. And so with that in mind, we decided to uh, basically have a look, go back, have a think, and find one film each from the 90s that's forgotten about and we'd like to mention again. Rishi. Yeah, well, my one, I, there was so many because 90s is the kind of decade where I really loved film, like watching Goodfellas and Usual Suspects and Casino. Um, but um, a film for me that is often overlooked and no one really mentions it anymore is a film called Very Bad Things. I love that film. It's a great film because it's Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's got Cameron Diaz. Christian Slater, Daniel Stern from uh, Home Alone, and Jeremy Piven from Entourage. Has he got hair back then? He has got hair in that. (laughs) He has. And it's basically about a stag do that goes bad. And when I mean bad, it goes very, very bad. Um, it's It's about a group of guys that go to Vegas and they accidentally kill a hooker. And then they have to try and dispose of the body. And it just... Escalates. Sounds oh, like I remember. Dark yeah. bad, not funny bad. Um, it's kind of funny bad, but it's like a really dark black comedy. Right. And when it kind of came out, all the critics turned on it because they were like, "This is terrible! What these guys are doing!" And and it kind of it does paint Cameron Diaz as probably like the most monster of them all because she just wants to get married. Um, so, uh, but no, it's a, it's it's a really funny film if you've got a very wicked dark sense of humor. Which I do. I yeah, think and it, and it, it was kind of like Christian Slater, like because he kind of spent the '90s in a bit of a blur. Um, yeah, he was kind of in and out of prison. So when very bad things, it was like him channeling Heather's again. So um, it was kind of like a little bit of a mini comeback for him. So yeah. And he's recently had his um, second comeback with Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. He which won is an, worth watching. He won an Emmy on Amazon. On Did Amazon. He? <laughs> he won an Emmy for that. What about Remy Malik, the the, the main character? He was nominated for a few things. I don't think he won anything, but yeah. Fair enough. Steph, um, not Titanic. It's, it's not Titanic. <laughs> I don't know if you can get away with that one this time. But, um, but yeah, well, Christian Slater is one of those actors that I associate with the 90s. And another one is Kevin Costner. Oh, yes. In, oh. my choice. Don't worry, it's not Waterworld. Um, but I, I absolutely love JFK. Oh, and yeah. it's one of those films. I mean, it has it has won Academy Awards and everything, but I don't. No one really talks about it anymore. You know, you don't you, you don't find it in you know the the, the best ofs on Netflix or any or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's Oliver Stone's film from ninety one or ninety two. I think it came out. Yeah. Back and to the left. That's Back and to the, the left. I remember from the film. That's when they're going over Back the. Back and to the left. Yeah, exactly. It's a prudent film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
obviously you guys have seen it, um, but for those who haven't, um, so Kevin Costner plays this district attorney, Jim Garrison, who investigates the JFK assassination beyond the official government story of Lee Harvey Oswald um, as the lone shooter and basically uncovers the quote-unquote truth, um, i.e. the conspiracy theory as we know it today, about the assassination and the subsequent government cover-up. So yeah, it's this long film, but I absolutely love it. I mean, I was always fascinated by the JFK story, and this film is a goldmine for conspiracy theorists. Um, his his speech, I mean, the last kind of 45 minutes, maybe it's not that long, but a, a huge part of the last, of the end of the film um, is basically the, uh, the final courtroom scenes as Jim Garrison is kind of putting together his whole argument. And that whole speech is just brilliant. And according to IMDb, those tears at the end were real and not scripted. Fun little fact there. So yeah, JFK is, is my choice. It just seems to be one of those films that has gotten buried for whatever reason and uh, definitely deserves a rewatch. Mm. Um, yeah, it's one of those films that I think no one no one really talks it's about. It's also anymore. really star-studded as well. Like There's so many, Massively. So many well-known actors in it. Donald Sutherland, um, I think uh, uh, John Goodman, not John Goodman, John Candy. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Sissy Spacek, and of course um, Gary Oldman plays Lee Harvey Oswald. Jack Lemmon's in it as well. Joe, Kevin, Pesci, Joe Pesci's Kevin in it. Kevin Bacon's in it. Kevin Bacon is in it. Yeah, yeah it's it's pretty star-studded. Is Joe Pesci um, retired? He is, but he's going to be coming out of retirement for Martin Scorsese's next film. That is brilliant news. Um, and what's his next film? It's called The Irishman, and it's Martin Scorsese directing Robert De Niro. Harvey Keitel, oh, Joe yes. Pesci, and Al Pacino. Oh, that's going to be... Throwing Leo. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, th- that film actually um, was struck a deal at Cannes. Mm. So that film is like the main talking point of basically, hopefully, Robert De Niro making his next film with Martin Scorsese and erasing all those bad Walker yeah, it's films. It's about time he made another good film. Yeah, I have seen Dirty Grandpa. Oh, God. It is sad. It made yeah. me feel sad. But JFK, I'll definitely give that another, another try. I recently caught a TV series on Now TV, which is the, the streaming service for Sky. Yeah. Uh, which is called 11-22-63, which is the assassination date of John F. Kennedy. And the whole point is uh, that James Franco, who I quite like, people hate, accidentally somehow manages to find a, uh, a cupboard in a diner, which takes him back to 1960. And his job, basically, he's told by the, the kind of the, the manager of the diner, is to stop the Kennedy assassination. And it's only six episodes. And I thought it was going to be terrible. And I was absolutely stunned by how good it is. Now, the one condition with this one, as opposed to other kind of, you know, back to the future or time travel stuff, is that if he screws anything out, if he screws anything up and he wants to go back to the future and then go back to the past again, he always starts at 1960. So the interesting thing about the series is as he gets close to the assassination, which was in 1963, hmm. when he screws stuff up, he sometimes has to think about whether he needs to go back and do it. But if he does, it's going to take him another three years to get to that same point. And um, very different to JFK, but kind of great. I'll give it a try. James, what's your 90s movie? Well, I thought about quite a few, um, but I went with my guts and my automatic first choice now. There are some films from the 90s, um, mainly those ones based around technology, which, um, let's say, age badly. 
So I recently, a couple of years ago, watched Sandra Bullock's The Net. That's oh. not my selection, <laughs> yeah. but it did make me laugh as she sort of, you know, is running around town with a floppy disk and she runs to the to kind of the electronic fair where it has the one internet connection and it takes about 20 minutes to upload this one file. And the way in which they erase her identity, it's all kind of laughable. It ages terribly. So the, the film for me that gets better with age is uh, the 1995 classic Hackers. Amazing. Starring Angelina Jolie, Johnny Lee Miller, and they ended up getting married after this film. Short-lived marriage. And uh, also starring Matthew Lillard, who was in Scream. Uh, spoiler, he was one of the killers, the tall one. Um, and don't forget Fisher Stevens, who was the Indian guy in uh, Short Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those who don't know or remember, uh, Hackers was a film about a group of hackers um, that kind of embraced the futuristic world of 1995 and took their laptop machines and tried to cause as much trouble as possible in, in, in the city of New York by, by hacking into the original version of the web and changing the TV channels and one of the main things was is these hackers were very much in competition with each other and this this kind of technological love story was based around uh, Angelina Jolie and Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller who were Crash Override and Acid, Acid Burn, Burn as they compete to be the number one hacker in the area and one of the best things about the film other than its incredible soundtrack which still holds up today is that some of your 90s classics Prodigy Voodoo People is on there, for example, is that they went into such detail around the specifications of their laptops and what they were doing that it's just kind of nice retro fun to watch it. So there's a bit in the film particular I always remember when Angelina Jolie, who this was the film that kind of turned my head towards Angelina, um, <laughs> is discussing the fact that she's got the new upgraded 486 PC, which uh, for those who don't know, you had the 486, 586, and eventually you had the Pentium processor. Right. Um, and that's about 70 to 80 iterations before we get to our standard laptops today. Basically, it has less power than a hundredth of the power of our phone, for example. <laughs> um, but the way in which they gush over these supposed next generation graphics and stuff is, is kind of good fun to watch. The film's funny, the film's well paced, the film's probably shorter than my monologue. And it has a, like I said, brilliant soundtrack and a fantastic ending where they have to connect to modems with pay phones. Nice. Which in itself is just worth a watch. So hack the planet and um, give it a try. Excellent. The other ones that I wanted to choose were like The Matrix, but obviously that's like people know. Everyone loves it, yeah. Yeah, it's influenced the whole of cinema since then. Go was mine, but it's too obscure. I mean, Mm. Homeward Bound was my other one. Swingers. (laughs) Homeward Bound. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that dog one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 with with um, Marty McFly. Oh, uh, yeah. Bo- uh, Boogie Nights was another one. Oh, yeah. LA, LA Confidential kind of gets forgotten because it, it came out the same year as Titanic. So at the Oscars, it won, Titanic won everything, whereas LA Confidential didn't. That film is so average. It's unbelievable. What? So average. I love LA, LA Confidential. It's such a great rubbish. film. It's not rubbish, but it, I, I think it's rubbish because people think it's an incredible and it's a very average film. It is a great film. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a better detective story <laughs> yeah. and it's better acted. <laughs> With tunes in Toontown. You wouldn't be able to do that to this day, these days, would you? No. Get Disney characters and Warner Brothers characters in the same film with no licensing problems. Because Bugs and Mickey, do you remember? Bugs mm. and Mickey Mouse are kind of arguing. Yeah. 
Was Mickey Mouse in it? I don't remember oh, that. Oh, yeah. He was in it for a scene. He's the one that's helping. Like when uh, Bob Hoskins is falling from the sky and then Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse come down and they want to give him a parachute, but they, they're mucking around with him. Oh, my him. God. I think I need a rewatch. I yeah. do not remember Mickey you Mouse. Just, you could never make that film these days. It's just it's the weirdest film. You, you've kind of got that kind of thing with like Wreck-It Ralph, though, when you've got all the kind of computer characters. I'm a bear guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, because that one, they, they, there was a lot of licensing problems with that because obviously they, they didn't want Sonic in the same thing as Mario. And I quite like that. I wish they could have done more of that because I think yeah. that, that was the fun thing about the film, having all those different characters sat in the, that kind of AA meeting. Yeah, <laughs> like Frankenstein. And... That's what makes Pixel so universally terrible, the Adam Sandler film, because they managed to pitch a brilliant idea originally based on that, I think it's a French YouTube. short film. Yeah, YouTube. Brilliant clip, film. Yeah. Um, and they pitched it incorrectly. So they pitched it to like 12-year-olds Instead of using Mario and Sonic, they used characters from the 80s, so you'd have to be almost 40-odd yeah. to have played those games in arcades. Yeah. But it's kind of pitched to sort of 12 to 20-year-olds. Complete, complete Again, nonsense. Again, Adam Sandler making another bad Muppet. film. And he dragged Peter Dinklage. With him. Yeah. God. Scumbag. So last week was Game of Thrones Battle of the Bastards. No spoilers, particularly as Steph to the left of us is three series behind. But um, that battle was so well produced. Uh, I think it was $10 million they spent on that episode alone. It again just raised the level of drama and epic action on TV to a, to a brand new level. Which led to us thinking, chatting, and now we're going to discuss. Um, is TV these days more epic the movies um, is that kind of slow build up that we get with shows like Game of Thrones where they spend hours developing characters order for a really beautiful payoff uh, result in more epic construction of character and a more epic uh, storytelling landscape than your traditional 90 minutes of action in a cinema anyway Rishi I think so um, I think um, years ago cinema was you know, where it was at and television was kind of looked down upon. Um, and then all of a sudden, television started to come up uh, through shows like Sopranos and 24. And um, they were attracting more and more um, talent. Um, and um, I think it gives... P- people nowadays can't afford to go to the cinema every, like, you know, once a month or however much it is. Whereas we can sit at home and you can kind of delve into a TV show and learn about characters and see plot lines develop over seasons and um and i think now what's happened is that movies are kind of taking note of that and now doing all this whole universe kind of thing world building so television is now i think influencing cinema that's quite interesting and you're right there's the stigmatism these days of of actors going to tv as a sign of their careers on the wane is is quite the opposite it's take up the same mantle as before that used to be if you're a big actor you'd occasionally take to the stage to get mm. your kind of you know acting creds yeah. for treading the boards and then you go back to movies but these days they're very much kind of one and the same and i watched an interesting um kevin spacey speech on this very thing uh, i think he was promoting house of cards on netflix and his whole discussion and this is from 2013 mm. was about the art of storytelling and he said essentially what makes a film a film and why is house of cards not a film the only difference is the length Essentially, films are two hours and these series are longer, but surely it's, there's no difference. They're one and the same. So in his mind, the, the future of 
movies and TV is that people are just going to stop labelling them. Mm. You'll either go to a cinema to watch an instalment of something, mm. or you'll you'll have a box set, or you know a Netflix esque. Here's a whole series in one go. Because yeah. he said the way it's going to go now, and the one thing the music industry failed to do was to give the power to the consumer. So these days, we want to be able to watch as many episodes as we want, when we want. And I think what we might see as well is an even more of a homogenization where you'll get films that have just been released in the cinema, say Captain America Civil War, where you can pay the price of uh, a cinema ticket to watch it in your own home uh, instead of going to the cinema. I just think it's all content at the end of the day and it'll just become readily available. And with that, this, these comparisons between what's more epic and so on and so forth will probably kind of fade away. Mm. Um, but for now, TV is very much kind of almost like risen to the level where it's kind of versus movies. Yeah. And people are, are choosing to not go to the movies because they're engrossed in what is these days incredible television. Even on the BBC these days with the night manager, you're looking at 20, 30 million production, sorry, 20, 30 million pound productions with major Hollywood stars um, all the way up to Game of Thrones and it's incredible mm. um, sort of breathtaking showpiece stuff. Yeah. Do you think though that we'll get to a stage where you'll actually go to the cinema to watch the new episode of Game of Thrones? Because I feel like that, not that I'm up to date, but still that, that kind of show is so epic and kind of, you, you kind of want to see it on the big screen and you kind of, especially since everyone talks about it after you've watched an episode, everyone is on Facebook discussing the latest episode. Would it not make sense to eventually move that to the cinema where everyone is kind of watching it together, experiencing it? So I've been making event television an actual event. Yeah, literally every week it's at possible. the local cinema. It, it has happened a few times with Game of Thrones where they have shown it in cinemas or they've cast it on the side of like a big tower in London. I think they did that for Oh, like, really? Yeah, the premiere of, I think it was season four, I think they did that. And so I was they, one yeah. of the people that went to um, one of the Doctor Who screenings. So they did their 50th anniversary special live in cinemas and on TV, mm. as well as the first episode of the current Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Mm. And it was better watching it in the cinema. I mean, this, the episode sucked, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of interesting yeah. watching it with like 200 people because you watch these things your whole life and then suddenly you've got other fans and it's kind yeah. of yeah. a little bit strange. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens because essentially, if you can eliminate the experience of, or sorry, replicate the experience of having a giant screen at home, say with virtual reality technology, why would you bother going to the cinema if you could do it just as well hmm. in your own living room? Um, is TV ultimately going to win because of it? But to your point, originally, the main talk of this really at the moment was it was the storytelling, not hmm. the technology at the moment. Yeah, The storytelling, it seems to be that, I'm not sure how it started, but there seems to be a general preference these days to taking your time, slow build, gone are the days of kind of like a... Independence Day, Welcome to Earth, 90 minutes, blam, blam, we're done. Yeah. People want a, a story akin to a book, characters they, they get to know. And I think it's kind of, sometimes it that whole thing can backfire for cinema because films nowadays, like every film that you watch is trying to like build up to the next sequel, mm -hmm. you know, do this whole universe building. And it, some films can suffer from it because I don't know if you remember a film, I think it was called Dracula Untold, which was going to... Nope which was going to kickstart a whole kind of like Frankenstein universe and then, you know, Wolfman and all of that. But it just kind of flopped, so it didn't really work. And the kind of same thing with Spider-Man 2, because they spent that whole film oh my God, yeah. building up all these other kind of characters that you didn't really know about because they were too concerned about, you know, making sequels. 
that they didn't kind of focus on the actual storyline of that film of Spider-Man. So it kind of suffered, and then obviously now they're rebooting it again and recast it. Well, so, that links quite li- nicely into mm. Spider-Man in Civil War and Marvel being the only true example mm. of managing to do that type of storytelling effectively. Yeah. And what's really annoying is like you've also got things like the Nintendo shared universe that's being created. Really? What, what you're beginning to find, because the success of Marvel and that type of storytelling is that you've got all these businesses and... Uh, you know, your Warner Brothers, etc., etc., trying to create these universes before anyone's even asked for them. Mm. So the other day, not only have I seen the Nintendo universe and all those titles, so Zelda, Mario, uh, Pokemon, Kirby, probably the, Donkey the, Kong as well, right? You need to get a film out for people to care about. Yeah. One of the worst things of the day is the fact that they they plan sequels so far in advance. Paddington, it's going to be Paddington two and three, which is I've seen Paddington. I saw it about two months ago. It's Fine. Yeah, doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't. It doesn't need a sequel. <laughs> several sequels or a shared universe. Yeah, and everything at the moment is like right, right. How can we turn this into a crazy big thing? Yeah, there's not enough space. There's already, I think, sixteen major superhero films this year, and I think it's almost a breaking point to the point where I think it's gonna, the tide will turn. I think mm. after the Avengers: Infinity War, I think that Marvel would have hit its peak. They would have got fifty characters into the same movie, and that will be kind of enough for now mm. I think Star Wars operates on an entirely different plane to TV and movies it, it's, it is a, it's a cultural phenomenon it's, it, it, it's more important than, than purely screen time so their shared universe will work I think but I do think everyone's getting a little bit sick of have you seen this have you seen this you can't see everything mm. so quality kind of will win throughout cheers, cheers. Nice. Uh, is there a more refreshing sound <laughs> yeah no, I don't think there is I like to end these podcasts um, with a little quiz to put James and Rishi's minds to the test. Um, so I've gone for something a little bit different this time. We've got a music quiz. Right. And it's going to be film soundtracks. You're so far. I have gone going down <laughs> in this one. Rayman Rishi. <laughs> yeah. See what we can do, man. So I've got a bunch here. I mean... Are, are these like... Theme tunes? Are there songs from films? I, They're theme I need to tunes. Clarify. They're theme tunes. Okay. As in, like soundtracks. As in, like usually kind of orchestral. The main theme for the film. The main theme. For right. The, maybe not the main theme, but you'll definitely recognise. I, okay. I haven't chosen really like you know obscure bits. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that, I would have won that if it was obscure. All <laughs> <laughs> Shane Black. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's give it a go and see how we get on. Okay. But hopefully. Hopefully. Do you, do you pause it when we say stop or something? I can do that. Okay, yeah. I'm just trying to think how it's done on. What, as in what? As, as soon as it plays, we just shout it, shout out what it is. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. First one to shout it wins. Perfect. All right. Now, don't look at the screen because I need to get it close to the oh, microphone. I can't, I can't no. see it anyway. So that everyone at home can play, uh, can play along as well. Inception. It is most definitely Inception. Really? I to get closer. I, c- I couldn't, so quiet. couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, it does have a very Hans Zimmer. It's good old Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. All right, let's get this volume up. Okay. Number two.
Hunger Games? No. Blade Runner? No. It's a film from the 90s. Face Off? No. Ugh. It sounds so familiar, like I, I, I can... Again, it's Hans Zimmer, right? Yeah. Oh, um, Batman. No. It's an animated film. Beauty and the Beast. No. Princes of Egypt. Prince no. of Egypt. Animated film. For the nineties. It stars the voice of Matthew Broderick and James L. Jones. Oh, uh, Lion King. King. Oh. Lion King. <laughs> Who gets that? I don't know. I, don't know. I, think, I think that was you, James. A replay wall. <laughs> yeah. I think neither of you get that one. Here, here's one. <laughs> we got told. <laughs> Number three. Titanic. Easy. I had to, <laughs> I had to put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> right, how about this one? Shawshank? No. Finding Nemo? It's so similar to Shawshank. <laughs> yeah. But I was Finding young Nemo. Yeah. Rishi's leading 2-1. 2-1. <laughs> well right, which one should I choose next? Here we go. Oh, uh, Ray, Wars. Scavenger. As in... Force right. Awakens. And it's called The Scavenger. Well, I said Star Wars. I said it first. No, but I got the the name <laughs> of the track. Well, Lion King, I got the sound. Sa- I got the I'm composer. I'm gonna count it as a draw, everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's a draw. Ridiculous. Me too. <laughs> right. American Beauty. American Beauty. Uh, American Beauty, yep. three, James. three. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Misha. Back to <laughs> oh. But which film? Back to Misha, three. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Great well film. done. Oh, um... So in Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. It's an Oscar-winning film, which was released. Um, have we seen it? You, you must have done. All oh, right. What what decade was it? Um, it's in this decade. This decade. Mm. Uh, not not the what's that? The artist? No. Got uh, the the no. What's it called? I don't know. I don't know. The King's Speech. Oh. Never, I never, never got that. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what the score is. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think you're, you're winning, winning by James. one point. Is it 4-3? Maybe. Four, three, two? Have we done seven? We've done a few. 
I'm thinking you're, uh, yeah, you're definitely winning. Two. Right, next one. I know what it is. Oh. Oh my god. Interview the vampire. It's currently in the top 10 films on IMDb of their top 250. Dark Knight, Shawshank, Casablanca, <laughs> Forrest Gump. I don't know. It's not Godfather. It's not Pulp Fiction. I don't know. Seven? No. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. It's Shawshank. Shawshank. It's Shawshank. <laughs> I'm not sure if that counts as a point, though, but <laughs> it is Shawshank. Not the Green Mile. I watched that yesterday. Oh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Oh my God, really? You got it in <laughs> about three notes. God. Oh. Mary Poppins. Toy Story, Inside Out, Up. It's not an animated film. <laughs> I have heard this before. Listen. I feel this is a film that makes me cry. <laughs> My way off. Is this is this no. something like something like Sandra Bullock would star in? Or Meryl Streep? Yeah. No. Is <laughs> it a 90s film. Home Alone? came out in 94, I believe, or 93, 94. Speed. You've got mail. <laughs> <laughs> Starring the one and only Tom Hanks. Oh, Forrest Gump. It is Forrest Gump. It is Forrest Gump, right? Something a bit Don't more know. recent. <laughs> Tron? Avatar? Avatar. Oh, really? That was a guess. <laughs> that was a guess. I, I would never have got that, ever. <laughs> yeah. I, feel like, I feel like it's we're coming up to a draw now, right? I think so. Who knows what the score is? Who knows? It's like, who's like, anyway, you've got a thousand points. <laughs> How many more to go there? I can give you another five. Yes. Okay, so we call it draw now, and then so we've got best of five. Let's, best say, of let's say it's six, six now. First one five. to, yeah. First one right? to All right. eight. Three. First one to three. <laughs> Trying to make it really complicated. Bad Max. Braveheart. Nope. Uh, uh, Brave. Brave. Nope. Oh. But it is an animated film. Uh, How, to, How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. Fuck. Right, that's one to Rishi. Harry Potter. Mm-mm. Spider-Man. Two? Spider-Man yeah. two? Yeah. How did you get that? Because this is how it starts. That's like in the opening credit. I thought you'd get it at this point, maybe. Yeah. Right, Spider-Man two it is. That's that's two to Rishi. Pocahontas. Oh my god. I know this. I don't. 
I'm screwed. Lilo and Stitch. No, no, no. Revenant. Kill Bill. Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes! Oh! <laughs> yes! 3-0 <nil> whitewash. <laughs> Maybe the last two, oh, please. Right, last two. Let me choose a good one. Oh, who is that character? That's a big clue. Isn't it? Is it... Who is that character? I've been best there. We've been Roger Rabbit. No, it's not even Roger Rabbit. It's that character. Oh, I can't remember. It's a Pixar film. Up. <laughs> Inside Out. Inside Out. Come on, listen to this guy again. Who is that? Wally. Wally, of course it is. Oh, yes. Wally. Right, here's another one. Ender's Game. <laughs> it's not a science fiction film. Time again? No. Deliator. <laughs> Fair enough. Lucy has won this quiz. Yes. Congratulations. Smashed. <laughs> and there we go. I was sweating. That was intense. And that's how we should end it. <laughs> Should yeah. we record a little sign off as well? Just like a hey. Till next time. <laughs> Take care of each other. Uh, no. What did Jerry Springer used to say? That's it. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs>